Welcome back to the video version of Finance with Fernando. I am your host, Fernando the Mortgage Maverick de Cunha. Today, I am switching it up once again, and I'm going to have my social media guru, Dizzy Parker, co-host with me and kind of go over a topic that I think is near and dear to everyone's heart in today's economy. Dizzy, you want to do an intro for yourself? Oh, yeah. Hi, everybody. I'm Dizzy Parker from Different Side Media. Uh, I'll take off the radio voice. <laughs> I'm Dizzy Parker, Different Side Media. I do all the social media for Mr. Mortgage Maverick. And uh, he's the one leaving comments, but I'm posting all the stuff and making it pretty for him. So if you are in the real estate business, I would love to help you out as well. I just started working with more real estate agents. So I'm beginning to really understand what real estate agents need. And there's so much better that people could be doing than just posting their beautiful house tour videos and having 20 views on them or paying a hundred dollars in just to get somebody to see it. Like I want to fill the gaps for all of those people. Very true. And that self promo just saved me a week of social media or <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm joking. Look, you pay weekly. Everybody else pays monthly and I'm trying to get them to convert to weekly because did you know that there are 13 months in the year? Are you asking me or are you asking? Yeah. Did you, <laughs> I mean, I don't think they're going to answer, but did you know? Are we keeping, are we keeping this in also? Why not? Why not? <laughs> I, I did not know there were 13 months in the year. I didn't know that. Yeah. So you do not pay uh, for 48 weeks, which would be 12 even months. You pay 52 weeks. That's 13 months if you make every month 28 even days. So I do all of my content scheduling and such that way now because it's so much easier to keep up with. Very cool. And actually, if you are listening or watching this, I should say, uh, keep that in mind if someone asks you to pay your bills on a weekly basis. Mm, so because we're talking about know. inflation and we're talking about money. That's and what we're talking about today. So we're here. And the reason why I have Dizzy on here is because, um, you know, we have conversations off camera about the economy and personal finances. So today he and I are going to tackle the inflation conversation. Uh, is it a dead horse? Not yet, because I think we're still dealing with it. But everyone's talking about it. Right. It's a hot topic. It's a trending topic. So I figured we would kind of hop into it. And we're going to do a conversation style. Dizzy had some questions for me. And um, I'm just going to answer them, you know, off the cuff. So why don't you, why don't you kick it off? Um, and, and you asked me a few other questions off camera. So, you know, I'm, I'm waiting to see what you're going to throw at me now on camera. So in doing, doing all of my research for your content, uh, inflation shows up. And it's the hot trending topic in the news and social media and everybody is complaining about it. I've got people that are not buying houses talking about mortgage rates and inflation. And yep. we know yep. that inflation affects every area of, of the economy from the milk and bread to the gas. But how is it affecting home buying? Like just from your perspective, because you're in there and uh, maybe we'll get to what causes it later. Yeah. So great question. And this is something I've actually had a discussion, like even with my wife a lot recently, um, because, you know, we're always looking to acquire real estate, right? I mean, we look daily for either investment properties or even upgrading our own primary residence. So 
Uh, it's something that we deal with, and I'm super empathetic with anyone who's buying a home because it is really difficult to buy a home. Um, there's just a lack of inventory, and with inflation and these higher rates, it makes it a lot. It's it's just a tough pill to swallow, right? Because back in March, rates were still hovering, you know, let's say in the um, you know the mid four, low four range, and now they're in the low to mid five range, right? So that changes your buying power. Well, how um, much does I, that affect a monthly payment? I'm curious. Well, it so it depends. 1%. It depends on the loan. Yeah, it depends on the loan size, right? Um, you know, some people come up with like this rule of thumb where they say for every one percent, it's you know x amount of dollars per month. It depends on the loan size. I mean, you know, the way the way I was calculating it, like I so I calculate things based on purchase price and loan size, not necessarily just on rate. You know, but. For example, like if you're buying a seven hundred thousand dollar house and you end up, you know, um, offering seven twenty five, that twenty five dollars can change your payment between like one hundred and ten to one hundred and fifteen dollars. You know, um, so so twenty five grand can cost you an extra hundred dollars, you know, over a hundred dollars per month. Um, as far as like rates are concerned, you know, let's say you were pre approved at four and a half percent for a purchase of seven hundred thousand, and the rate jumped. One percent. Now you may be capped at six hundred thousand. You see what I mean? Oh, wow. So, yeah. So it, it it completely changes the buying power. And what's happening? And realtors are getting smarter as this market progresses. What they're doing is, is if they see a pre-approval letter, let's say from April. So it's it's mid-May right now. Let's say they have a pre-approval letter that's a month or two old. Typically, that would still be valid, right? To allow a client to go out there, put an offer, and see a property. Now, what's happening is, is realtors are getting a little more savvy, and they're saying, you know, a month ago the rate was a half point or one point less than where it is now. We need you to get an updated pre-approval letter. And a lot of the listing agents are calling me as a lender, and they're saying, "Hey, listen, I got your letter here for John Smith. Did you look at their finances?" Which is normal, but they're saying. You know um, how how is the rate market affected their buying power, and they're they're educating themselves more and kind of doing more of that legwork to make sure that if they do accept a buyer's offer, it doesn't go sideways in a week or two weeks or a month, you know, down the road. So, uh, and I have that going on with one of my clients. Uh, well, actually, she's not one of my clients, but she was introduced to me. She got pre-approved by a different lender. And that lender really hasn't educated them on, you know, uh, debt to income ratio and stuff like that. So I got a call from her yesterday afternoon and was like, you know, we're we're putting an offer in for a property, and I'm being told I can't afford it because of the rising rates. Is there anything you could do? And and we really all kind of lenders kind of follow the same guidelines when it comes to this stuff. But there are little tips and tricks as a lender, like you know, lowering the rate by paying higher closing costs. That's buying down the rate. Um, you know, restructuring some debt that may be outstanding, you know. So what I'm seeing is, is that realtors are still making a ton of money. And if you're a realtor watching this, I'm sorry that I'm going to have to be so um, real with you, but realtors are still making a ton of money on the buy and sell side because they're able to negotiate and they're still getting in many circumstances over asking for whatever the price is, you know, whatever the property is listed as. On the mortgage side, I've seen value. I've seen volume, I should say, dip simply because, you know, if you're able to buy cash or you have a significant amount of cash, you know, you have somewhat leverage when going into a bidding war. But I mean, I've been in bidding wars myself over the past year where, you know, and I'm not saying this 
you know, bad or, or like to like gloat by any means, but like I, I do this for a living, right? So I'll go in and I'll waive contingencies. I'll have a ton of cash to put down and I still lose, you know, and I'm like, now you said the you're in the process of buying a house right now, right? Yeah. I'm bidding on a home. I'm bidding. I, I mean, I'm bidding on a home right now and we gave them exactly what they wanted. Um, you know, they listed it. We gave them the list price. We waived the financing contingency. So we could, you know, buy the house, whether we went cash or with financing, I finance all the time uh, because I want my money working for me and in my pocket, but they weren't satisfied with that. You know, it's been, they've been sitting on the offers for a week and they're waiting for more. And I'm like, this is why this industry or this market is so messed up because, you know, it's, it's like the example, I think I mentioned to you the other day, if I list one of my collectibles for sale for a hundred dollars on eBay and someone offers me $100, I don't turn around and say, well, I appreciate your offer for a hundred bucks, but I want you to pay 110. I mean, or wait for more offers. I don't do that. I'm like, okay, I listed it for a hundred bucks. You're going to pay me a hundred dollars. Done deal. You know, and that's and this not is happening just because of uh, inventory problems, right? Like I don't correct. I yeah. Real estate ease, but I do understand that like, supply and demand if there's a lower supply yeah. then yeah then Higher the demand. seller can be more choosy yeah and i think i think what's happening is is that i don't you never know if it's the seller or the agent that's like causing this right because once again if if the seller is like i'm okay selling my house for x and a buyer comes along and says i'm going to give you exactly what you want right not like a few years ago where you could say okay you listed your property for five hundred thousand i'm going to offer you 450. That's not even the scenario anymore. They're listing their property for 500,000. Someone goes into the property and says, I'm going to give you 500,000 that day that they list it. And then they turn around and go, no, 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 we're going to have other people show it. And, and then right off the bat, it's like, I'm like, what, like, what are you trying to do? So you're creating a bidding war, right? Wow. And I don't, you don't know if it's the agents, you don't know if it's the seller. You don't really know, right? You now, don't know it, who's an doing. An agent it. is doing that. Is it because that directly affects their commission? Well, agents are paid on the on the sale price of a home. Oh, you know, the commission's so it does based on the sale price. But I mean, you know, it's and and this is once again to the agents that are watching this. It's no knock against you. I get it, right? We're all paid when deals close. Um, I'm just. And maybe I just don't know how the process works, right? Even though I, I'm in the industry, I'm on the financing side. But to me, with me going through it in my own life, and and they say, you know, the seller saying, I want to sell it for this. And I'm the first offer that says, I'll give you that. Let's do this. That and then you turn around and say, you no, we want to show it more. It's like a slap in the face, personally. I don't know. I but, totally agree with that. But that's so, what's happening. Because you know. I'm on the uh, the side of the customer, I am not. I'm not an expert in real estate in any way. Um, I do know you talk a lot about uh, building your team, and a real estate agent is a part of that team, just like a mortgage lender is part of that team. Uh, and I would be curious to just lay it out there: what somebody should look for. I know we've talked about a mortgage lender, so just mention that briefly, but also in a real estate agent, because you're also using a real estate agent right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you have to, unless you have a real estate license and you could represent yourself, you have to use a realtor if the property is listed with a realtor and that's national, right? It's a national requirement. Um, 
You know, so I think I think it's all interchangeable. Whatever professionals you work with, your attorney, you know, your your agent, your inspector, um, everyone falls under the same category of the need to be transparent, right? Where I think more value lies as well is the education aspect, right? And anyone who's watching this, and and Dizzy, you know this just from helping me on social media, I'm big into education, right? When I have a phone call with a client, I allocate about 30 minutes for the initial call, and I go over whatever questions they have. And then based on their finances or their scenario, whether they're looking to buy or refinance, you know, I end up going a little deeper with them, right? And I, I just not only want to be transparent, because honesty is a big thing, but educating is a big thing as well. Um, because if I feel like I am like what's happening in my own scenario with me bidding on this home, once again, I don't really, I've been on tons of homes, dozens of homes, right? And I own a few homes, but in this market, I need to be educated on what the proper etiquette is. And I think that's where a realtor should, you know, place some value on themselves, just the way I do as well. Like I, I explain my financing conversation for clients is completely different than two years ago. It, it's, it's, inter- you know, it's, it's changed, it's ever changing, you know, in that regard. Uh, it depends on the market. So. So transparency and and I think, yeah, education. So being uneducated myself, uh, when a realtor, because I know that a lot of these terms are almost interchangeable, like realtor, real estate agent, uh, et cetera. Um, Broker. Yeah. Yeah. That's the other one. Uh, I see the sign out front of houses with, uh, with the company listed on it. And I don't remember if I see an agent's picture or name associated with that, but if say, I don't know, I'm just throwing stuff out there. Compass who you work with, uh, some agents a lot. Uh, if compass is listing a house, do you have to work with a specific realtor or can you be like, Hey, I'm not loving this guy. Well, so, so good. That's a great question. Um, and, and, and you've never asked this, so I'm, you're learning, which is great. Right. Yeah. Um, but, no. but, but, you know, so it depends. You could have an, an initial relationship with an agent. Once you sign an agreement to use them exclusively as an agent, there's typically a time frame you have to use them. Okay. And, and that, that exclusivity agreement could be, several months, it could be a year, it kind of depends, right? Um, Most agents, especially the ones that have been doing it for a long period of time, will not continuously show properties until they get that exclusivity agreement signed, okay? Because they don't want to show someone a property and then that, that client be disloyal turn around and be like, I'm not using you, I'm using my brother-in-law who just got his real estate license. You know what I'm saying? Um, Right, right. So, so that's, that's the only thing I would say. Um, like, yeah, it's, there is an exclusive agreement eventually for your realtor. And, and this is the one thing, like, so if you're watching this and you're just a client or a potential client, be aware that loyalty is probably the biggest thing in the real estate industry, whether it's your lender, your attorney, or your realtor. Um, it loyalty pays our bills. That's how we feed our families, right? So, so like what you're bringing up, Dizzy, is, is important because, um, you know, it's 
you have someone who's driving around showing you homes, you know, making the appointments, putting offers in for you, stuff like that. They're using you their want, time and they get paid. Yeah, it's, and it's a relationship. And most of the time they're taking time away from their family to show you these homes, right? It's at night on the weekdays. It's on the weekdays. <laughs> yeah, if you're free, they're yeah. not. You know, and it's like, I, you know, I, some of my clients, I, I explain this to them, especially because, you know, I, I'm online seven days a week. I have to be, because if I need to update a pre-approval letter for someone buying, I need to be online and be able to send that to them quickly. But I too, I do tell my clients, if you're going out on the weekend, you know, try and give me a heads up during the week to update your letter simply because I'm not chained to my computer you know, 24 seven and I can't do it yeah. from my phone. Right. A lot of people finance. think that like, just because this thing's in your hand, that yeah. this phone yeah. for you. It's, I mean, like the, the problem is the technology on, on an application for pre-approval um, or any, you know, or refinance, whatever. It's not, it, it's not compatible with a phone. Yeah. I you know, you have that. to do it on a computer. So, so yeah. So and the loyalty we should, and we should just draw you know. those boundaries once in a while too. Like this is me as a business person, but also as eventually a potential client, uh, speaking to other people in my position, recognize that the person you're dealing with is a person and that there are office hours. So you can't just call or text at 1am because you were having a discussion with your significant other. And now we made this decision. Sorry, it's yep. going to have to wait until the morning. Yeah. And I always, I mean, what I always say, and I don't want to, I don't want to go too deep down this rabbit hole, but I always tell clients, just email me, you know, if, if yeah, it's urgent, if it's urgent it. call, absolutely call no matter what day it is. You know, if you're trying to get an offer in on a Sunday, and and it's like highest and best by four o'clock. Just call me. I'll make it work. But but like sometimes, like what you said, the questions are like, you know, hey, like what's the rate right now? And it's like eleven o'clock at night on a Sunday, and I'm like, the market's closed. We're gonna I'll quote you. You know what I mean? I'll quote you in the yeah. morning or something. You know, um, and that's just like an email. That could be an email thing. But anyway, Indeed. we digress. All right, so let's let's reel this back into the path uh, because I did on our. Full disclosure, we we tried this one time and then uh, there was some produce, the producer issues. <laughs> yeah, the audio just pooped out. Uh, it wasn't the creator. It was not the creator. And it was also, yeah, you know, not unprofessionalism either. It was, no. It was a different course of action. But no, here we are. Tech We're talking about talking about the uh, interest rates, inflation, and a big trend right now on Google is fixed rate mortgage like it spiked yeah it, however they measure their stuff it was in the 30s and then it went to 100 last week so people freaked out and they wanted to lock their rates uh is a fixed rate mortgage always the best option or is there positives and negatives for a fixed rate versus uh the other one <laughs> an adjustable rate adjustable i was like yeah. variable rate no that's computer stuff so this is this is a conversation I have right now with the rates where they are. I'd say between five and ten times a day. I mean, it's it's brutal. It's just a repetitive loop of saying the same thing. So hopefully, um, we can direct people back to this episode next. Well, week. yeah, and I think I think it's it's very simplistic, right? So rates are up because inflation's up. The Federal Reserve has increased the prime rate. The prime rate and your first mortgage um, interest rate are not directly correlated, right? So a lot of consumers think when the prime rate increases, that means primary mortgage rates increase. That's not the case. The prime rate typically only affects home equity lines of credit and short-term debt. 
and uh, you know primary mortgage rates are are backed um, and dictated by mortgage-backed securities, right? Because a mortgage is basically just an investment that is traded in a secondary market. That's the simplistic form of it. So, so what's happening now is investors that are lending money to people who are buying homes see that it's a volatile market and they're keeping their money close to their chest. And what, what that's doing is, is that it's causing rates to spike. When we talk about fixed rate mortgages, that's like the tried and true, right? Fixed rate mortgages. You have a set rate for whatever the term is, 10, 15, 20, 30 years, and your payment's the same every month because of that, right? Um, easy to plan. Exactly. Easy to plan, easy to budget. You know what to expect. With adjustable rate mortgages, there is some enticement to accept an adjustable rate mortgage because you're taking on the risk as opposed to the investor taking on the risk. So the way you got to look at it as a consumer is who is bearing the risk for this mortgage? You know, like, so this goes into if you're buying a home a year from now and you want to lock your interest rate into today's market to then close a year from now, the rate is going to be higher than whatever, whatever the standard market rate is, right? So let's say rates are at five and a half percent. And I bring this up to put things into context because I just quoted someone on this. Let's say, let's say the market is five and a half percent today, but you want to do a year rate lock to save your rate from today's market to close in a year. The rate may be six percent for that longer rate lock. And the reason being is because the investor is giving you a guaranteed rate of six percent, no matter what happens to the market for a year. You see what I mean? So they're going to charge you a premium. It's the same thing with adjustable rate and fixed rate mortgages. So fixed rate, you're, they're basically saying, hey, we're going to give you some stability. Okay, We're giving you a set uh, rate for the life of your loan. And that rate may be slightly higher than an adjustable rate. So let's say a fixed rate mortgage is at 5.5%. Depending on what length of time adjustable rate mortgage you choose, it could be a half percent less. It could be a whole percent less. Because then on an adjustable rate mortgage, you're taking the you're taking on the risk as the consumer, not the lender, because you have an intro lock-in period, okay, which could be five, seven, or 10 years where your rate is the same. It's a 30-year loan. So for five, seven, or 10 years, you're going to have that fixed rate on an adjustable rate mortgage. And then starting six months after that initial rate lock period, it starts adjusting for the remainder of the loan. So you're taking on more risk at that point because that rate could go up, you know, one or two percent every adjustment period. You see what I mean? So um, just a little recap to make sure that I understand. If you're if you're doing a fixed rate, the rate could be slightly higher at the correct. beginning or throughout, throughout because correct. because the lender is taking that risk. And adjustable correct. rate, it could be lower, but like if rates go up, risk. you're yep. you're taking that ride. Correct. Okay. That and and and, and sense. yeah, and just just to kind of. Not many clients accept adjustable rate mortgages because of the volatility, right? I, for my personal home, took an adjustable rate, uh, adjustable rate mortgage because I didn't plan on living in the home more than 10 years. So when I did my mortgage, I was able to save a half percent on my rate when I locked in for a 10-year adjustable mortgage. Um, it was a 30-year loan, we, but for the, yeah, for the first just 10 years- mentioned, half a percent could be- Huge, depending on. Yeah, I mean, depending on you know, if if it's on a hundred thousand dollars, it may not be much. But if you're talking four, five, six, seven hundred, a million dollars, half a percent's a good amount, right? Um, so I initially did that um, on my, you know, on my home. 
I did an, a 10 year, a 10 year adjustable rate mortgage. And we had a game plan, you know, to end up selling within that 10 year period anyway, you know, but if you're, if you're going to live in a home long-term, you know, and it's your dream home, um, you may want to look at that fixed rate option. And if the rates are higher right now, which they are, there may be a correction in another year or two, right? So you could always have on the back burner, the fact that you could refinance and lower that rate in the future. All right. Talking about that possible correction, uh, you said you can't, you can't, uh, really tell, but people are asking the question, will mortgage rates go down in 2022? Now, what is your best speculation based on your 11 years in the business? I mean, I don't, I don't think we're going to have a correction this year. I just don't, I don't see it happening. I think this year is going to remain where we are because simply based on the federal reserve saying that they're fighting off inflation this entire year and to expect another three plus prime rate increases. Right. And that's most likely going to come. Yeah. Over the next several uh, months, you know, over the next few quarters. So I don't, I don't think we're going to have a correction this year. I think if you're buying a home right now, you're going to have your rate for at minimum a year. Okay. Whatever it is. Um, I think we are due for a correction in general. Um, you know, over the past, if you look at the cycles of real estate interest rates, you know, every four years we see a spike in rates. That's that's mm-hmm. just the cycle for some reason. And that's typically if you look back, like I looked back about 12, 15 years, and it was about every four years is where we saw this spike in rates. And those spikes oh, typically four years. Uh, that every that's where years. we got cut off in our previous thing. Uh, yeah. So yeah. so four years is a familiar term. Uh, it sounds a lot like presidential terms. Uh, yes. Have you seen any coincidence with that? Not to get political, but have well, you seen any coincidence? Yeah, I think I think what happens is is that um, you know party changes don't immediately take effect to our economy, right? Like we're two years into the Biden Biden administration, right? And we're in we're knee deep in inflation. Um, now, to take a step back and just make this known. I'm not a political person by any means, right? I'm not going to argue <laughs> with anyone about politics. Were. I'm not even e- really educated on on politics. Like I can't throw out a bunch of stats. I'm just speaking regarding my industry. It, it's so the cycle happens to be every four years, but it's usually every two years into a new administration, if that That's makes sense. So it's not every four years, like the year that the administration's changing. It's like in the middle of their administration. You understand? So I think that's because you have policy changes. Like most recently, we had a lot of stuff that was completely reversed from the Trump era into the Biden administration. And that's probably going to happen in another two years. You know, when that administration changes again, you know, it may take another year or two where we have another cycle, whether good or bad, we don't know. Right. Um, But if you look at the cycles every four years going backwards, we've had spikes every four years. And those spikes typically have shown housing rates to go into the five range, you know. So I spoke to someone yesterday um, who I was talking about inflation, right? They were asking where I think rates were. It was actually this client who was looking to lock in for a year. And I go, I think we're going to have a correction in like a year or two. And he was like, I, I think I think we're, it's here to stay. Inflation is here to stay. And and I don't, I, I you know, I don't know. I, I have no idea if it's here to stay. But I'll tell you right now. The economy is not sustainable. And this is what I said to him. And this is something I'm passionate about. The the economy is not sustainable the way it is, right? Americans have had their expenses increase at least $200 a month 
since all this has been going on. And you have people who are looking to buy homes for, once again, 600000 let's say, right? And now they can only afford 500000 right? Mm. But for $500,000 in their area, they may not be able to afford anything, right? So it's just not sustainable. You can't even obtain housing or basic necessities in life because of what's going on with inflation. So to me, my opinion is it's going to correct. And, it has yeah, to, and look, you know. I, I do need to interject because I, I help promote to all of my uh, people that are outside of New York. And hopefully this starts to reach a national audience. Uh, $500,000 sounds like a whole lot to a North Carolinian. But in New York, it is basic. Well, I mean, in some areas, in, in most areas where we're located, $500,000 still requires a significant amount of work to be done at the house as well. Yeah. You know, so if you said um, that to one of my family members, they would slap you in the face. Well, (laughs) I mean, it's not dollars. Like I ain't never seen a half million dollars in my life. Well, I I tell my wife all the time. I'm like, I'm like, you know, where we live, it's like California. I have a lot of friends in California and it's the same thing. Like you, you get very little for your money. You know, you get very little for your money oh, yeah, um, because the money goes elsewhere. But again, exactly. not getting political. Exactly. Uh, so yeah. I will I will ask you a slightly political question because you you mentioned it yesterday. How high do you think mortgage rates will go compared to what we've seen in the past? Because you you gave me some numbers yesterday and I just want to make sure that they get on camera and audio. Well, I mean, listen, you know, being in the low to mid fives right now and it's uh what is it mid-may i mean i wouldn't be surprised if we hit like i would say low sixes mid sixes um you talk to some people and they're like it's going to be eight percent by the end of this year i don't think that's going to be the case um personally once again i could be completely wrong i don't know we'll have to revisit this in in five months or whatever and see like what the outcome is but I think I think if we get back into like maybe the six range, that would that would most likely where we'll we'll end up. Um, you think that that's uh, pretty uh, pretty standard? Because I mean, the last couple of years has been the lowest in history. Yeah, I mean, when I first started doing mortgages back in 2010, 2011, we were I remember locking some clients in like the low sixes, you know. Um, so it's not it's not far fetched. Um, I just don't know how investors, you see with volume so low, right? Because of inventory investors in real estate, you know, for, for mortgages may turn around and try to stimulate the, um, the buy side by offering lower rates. You see, you see what I'm saying? So, so they may try and suppress rates and keep them low. You, you know. mentioned you mentioned uh, locking some people at a certain percentage. Uh, when in the process can you lock your rate, and what should people be looking out or like taking action on their own to do that? So, so this is a hot topic as well, right? Because people are out there. I have right now over a hundred pre-approved clients, and I would say a solid twenty percent of them have contacted me over the past month to try and lock their rate. The negative is they don't have a home in mind. Okay. They're just out in the market. And the companies that I've worked for, you have to at least have a buyer signed contract and identify a property to lock your rate. You can't lock a rate on a pre approval. Okay. Um, 
I don't even know if there are some companies out there that do it. You know, I worked at one company. I think you were allowed to lock a rate as a pre-approval, but you had to flip the deal active within a specific period of time. You see what I mean? Um, so you're kind of playing with fire in that sense, because if you have no property of mine whatsoever, and there's not much inventory out there, and you lock your rate and let's say leave a deposit with them, you're kind of setting yourself up to potentially lose that deposit. But the company where I work now, you have to at least identify a home and have a buyer sign contract for you to then lock your rate. Okay. Um, okay. That makes sense. Like they won't yeah. give you <laughs> the interest rate on something if it the something isn't spoken for yet. Well, I mean, yeah, exactly. Like how do you lend money on something that on nothing. How do you, yeah, how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you put a I'll loan you on money. nothing? Here you go. Use it yeah, yeah, like, whatever you want. You know, we don't know where you're, what you're buying, uh, but we're going to say, yeah, okay, we'll give you a loan on it. You know, like it, that's like the most simplistic way to look at it. You know? Yeah. So I, I enjoy this kind of conversation because like I can play the uneducated one because I am the uneducated one <laughs> and we can break down these technical terms that I've heard in a few other episodes into like regular buyer terms because we'll hear that stuff and, and i'll even hear my my social media people that are just discussing it i'll see them talking about things that they heard on the news and i am so confused like the more <laughs> syllables you put in a sentence the more i start to clock out the even more though, syllables like, yeah <laughs> So, uh, what, so you mentioned contingencies earlier and as you're telling me about that, I'm thinking, wait, what, what, what's the contingency? What are we contending? I, um, shoot. Ah, dang it. He's done. He's done talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I so can only imagine yeah. other people are thinking. Well, conti kind of so too. contingencies are basically like, you know, when you get in a contract to buy a home, you're going to have like an appraisal contingency, you'll have an inspection contingency. And that's basically saying that you could back out of the contract if one of those things goes sideways. All right. Oh. So, so if you're pre if the appraisal for the home comes less, you know, comes in lower than what you're buying the home for that, you know, you could execute uh, or exercise your appraisal contingency and say, I want out of the contract. It's the same it's thing like with your an side door exit. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's basically your, it's your safety net is the that way to look sense. at it. Yeah, that's that's but but you're right about these conversations because I talk about this on the phone and I explain it via phone. And when I do my podcast episodes, I'm choosing a specific topic and kind of running with that topic. And I'm yeah, kind of just like that you're talking, talking about all day. Yeah. And it's and it's well, and the thing is, is that it's not prompting me to critically think and respond to what a question may be. Right. I'm just talking the way I normally would. And I'm not getting feedback on where the, the conversation should steer. So I, I like this, I like this, um, this conversation style. And honestly, I've gotten a few people that are going to be on the show within the next two weeks um, that are going to switch things up a little bit as well. You know, Ooh, I can't get wait some to see that. Feedback. That'll be fun. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It'll be fun. So this is some really, really good information. And even though I'm like two years out from even thinking about buying a house, uh, I would, I, I, I find this very valuable. So I. I, I hope that other people do too. Well, that's the purpose of this, right? And, um, you know, I always appreciate anyone who watches or listens to my podcast or my social media content. Um, you know, the, the value is what I try and bring and education is a big part of what I enjoy doing, right? And that makes everyone's life a lot easier. So Dizzy, I really appreciate you doing this conversation style podcast with me. Um, hopefully you learned something yourself. I feel like every I time so I talk much. and see you. 
<laughs> it's it's I'm like cheating. you're like oh a, a new word you you have to start <laughs> like making notes honestly like contingency was your word today you see that yeah i'm gonna do that <laughs> yeah and um if anyone who is uh listening or watching please feel free to send me any questions or if you want me to cover any topics shoot me over an email at realmortgagemaverick at gmail.com. Feel free to DM me through any of my social media. All the links are within my, my profile. You could visit my website, mortgagemaverick.net, and that will give you all of the links to social media as well. Or shoot me a text or email, um, I'm sorry, text or phone call at 914-384-4240. Uh, once again, Dizzy, thank you so much. I will see everyone on the next one. Yeah, I appreciate it. Have a great day. Oh, yeah. Fun fact. Before uh, the next time you talk about your social media, uh, you actually own everything at Real Mortgage Maverick now, except Twitter, but that doesn't even count. Uh, Everything is all the same now. Even you. But but the website's still mortgagemaverick.net. Yeah. But all the social media is the same at Real Mortgage Maverick. Great. Wow, so yeah, he gave up that YouTube. He gave up that no, YouTube. No, I just made that one real too, just to go with your Gmail. Oh, oh, yeah. 